All right, welcome to the Pound the Rock podcast, a special edition of Pound the Rock. Uh, Joseph Cushow here, I'm hosting this week. Will Lou and Joe Wolfond are not here, but who is here is Alex Wong. You know him well as at Stephen LeBron on Twitter, on Instagram. And where we both are is in Cleveland. We are live, well, not really live, I guess. You'll be listening to it, it'll be recorded, but we are currently live from the Q Quicken Loans Arena after uh, the Warriors and the Cavs practiced and spoke to the media today. In the aftermath of another just kind of historic Kevin Durant performance uh, in game three, uh, deja vu all over again for both teams as KD pulls up and hits a dagger three uh, to give the Warriors a 3 nothing series lead. Alex? LeBron would like you to know that it wasn't the same shot, though. Yes. It was, um, what was it, 20, one was from 26 feet out yeah. and one was like from 30. Yeah. That's my favorite LeBron, the, the even in a loss, even when I'm down 3-0, I'm just gonna flex with my memory, LeBron. Yeah, yeah. let me still remind you that I know everything that happened, yeah. LeBron, yeah, good times. Uh, yeah, I mean, you've, you've been here, like I have the last couple of years for these, like three yeah. years now, I think, out yeah. of the four that we've been coming to Cleveland and doing this. What, uh, what stood out to you, I guess, from game three last night? And is, is there anything different about watching this version of Cavs Warriors than the one we watched the last few years? Yeah, I think last night was just like the perfect illustration of the fact that the distance between these two teams just keeps widening, right? Like last year they lost in five games, but they played really good. Cavs played really good on offense. And like, it felt like they had a chance yeah. in the games, like even at home, right? Yeah. Like yesterday, I don't know how you felt, but like they came out, they made their run. Yeah. Like LeBron threw that alley-oop off the glass to himself. Yeah, he went second, off the glass. Second consecutive yeah. finals. Think yeah. about that. This guy went off glass to himself two straight finals. That's another one of my favorite LeBrons. Like when he's losing in the finals, like he'll still make sure that it's about him. Like he'll get a highlight. As he should. Yeah. But like, I don't know. Like Steph shoots, what was his final line? Like three for 16. Yeah, and he was field, one, he hit his last two. So he was one of 14 before though. Yeah, and he hit one three, which was the one that was late in the fourth quarter. And him and Clay combined for like what twenty-one points, I think. Yeah. And on any other team, you lose that game by maybe like thirty points. Yeah. Like that's a standard game three. Like team comes home down 2-0, like yeah. home blowout for yeah. the Cavs. But you add Kevin Durant, and he has that like maybe his best career like playoff yeah, 43, game. 43. Yeah, maybe his best game like ever in the playoffs and like it yeah and that's it the season's over yeah no that that really is exactly how it went down <laughs> i mean um i do think it, and this is like what i wrote about last night is i think it's interesting how like i don't think anyone ever doubted how great kevin durant was yeah. people hated on him for going to a 73-win team, yeah. and then recently people kind of hated on him, at least on social media, yeah. about the fact that his kind of like penchant for isolation ball mm -hmm. took a little bit away, like took a little bit of the joy away from what the Warriors had been, right? Because mm -hmm. even like those first couple years that the Warriors were great, including their 73-win team, I think there was still like an air of thinking that they almost like, in a way overachieved and, mm -hmm. and got more out of themselves than anyone thought any of those players individually could, like They were right? playing kind of this like new brand of right. basketball and they were kind of like all towing the line. Right. right. Like they were shooting these threes yeah. and like they're playing a brand of basketball that people were saying like just couldn't win. Right, right. Yeah. exactly. And they broke the mold and did win. Yeah. But it still felt like they were, even as the 73-win team co coming off the championship, there still felt like there was something to root for mm -hmm. with this team. And then 
you know, Durant coming changes all that. And then the couple games he struggled in the playoffs this year against Houston in game one against the Cavs. Yeah. All you saw on Twitter was like people ripping the fact that the Warriors are kind of aren't fun anymore. They play yeah. ISO balls, KD, you know, maybe KD was the problem in OKC with his ISO. Yeah. Just like crazy things like that. And then I think the last couple games, and especially last night, are a reminder. Game three is a reminder that like, man, okay, ISO ball is not aesthetically pleasing. And for most of the league and most teams, it's not the solution. Yeah. It shouldn't be. But when Kevin Durant is the guy you're putting the ball in his hands, like you're fine living and dying with him isoing and yeah like when kevin durant's like at the top of the key with george hill on him yeah like are you gonna swing the ball and find a better option or do you just want him yeah what is the better there is no better option than that than kevin durant with a mismatch essentially the warriors are not fun anymore though (laughs) see do you do you really think that let okay let's touch on that (laughs) yeah because that's never been talked about before (laughs) in the last in the last couple of years fresh hot fresh hot content is are the the warriors Is it not fun anymore for you, for real? It's not even if the Warriors are fun. Like, are they, are these NBA Finals fun? Like, you've had series before, like NBA Finals are not where it's a 3-0. I mean, you could still find like kind of entertaining threads about the series, right? Yeah. Like, I feel like there's so much fatigue about the Cavs and the Warriors playing each other, and there's just even more fatigue now just because the matchup is just not even close. Like yeah. what, what? What are you taking away from this series that you didn't know yeah. before the start of the series? Like, aren't the NBA Finals about like those? Like finding out, you know, like what guys are made of? Like, you know, crafting these narratives around like the championship and stuff. But it's like there's, it's just the Warriors are more dominant than anyone else. And on a game like yesterday, it just reminds you how big of like the distances between them and yeah. the rest of the teams. And you look at game 6-2 against the Rockets. I think we talked about this. It's like you legitimately thought Houston had a chance in yeah. that game, the way they came out, right? And, like, the Warriors notoriously get, like, a little shaky sometimes yeah. in, like, big games. They get a little shook. And then they just beat the Rockets, a team that was, like, built to go up against this Warriors team and had them 3-2. They beat them by 40 points in the second half. Yeah. In, like, it's the a 65-win team in a most important game of the season. Yeah. And that was after they beat them by 40 in like game three, right? Yeah. Like I'm saying, the Rockets probably could have won that series. Yeah. Like number one, if Chris Paul was healthy and number two, if they didn't miss 27 straight threes. Yeah, that was insane. So it's like, not to say that like nobody can beat the Warriors, but it's like when you get to the NBA finals, I just think like the whole Cavs Warriors thing is just so tired at this point. I'll, I'll play devil's advocate and yeah. say it's still, f- <laughs> I think there's still elements of fun, and I think you can just look to this series as like, whether it was complacency on the Warriors' part or just LeBron's, you know, singular greatness, the Cavs did have a chance in this series. Like, they should have won, not could have won, they should have won game one. And you can make the argument they, you know, maybe not should have won game three, but they they had a chance to win game three. Yeah. Um, if even one of those goes their way, it's 2-1, and they have a chance to tie the series. Maybe they're up 2-1. But this, yeah, it reminds me a lot, like, you know, like the Raptors. Right. Like Raptors and the Cavs. You know, like, when you're not a great team or yeah. when you're going up against a team that's just, like, better than you, yeah. it's always, like, what ifs, right? Yeah. You could always go through every series and be like, yeah. the other team should have been up 2 Yeah. But I'm saying, like, Durant's a great player. Like, Durant's yeah. a great player, but it's like, you see all the questions like afterwards too. Yeah. Like they're asking LeBron to, like, what's the difference between this team? Like, yeah. how do you feel about like this super team yeah. being built? Like, there's just, like, I don't know. Like, the Warriors are just gonna keep doing yeah. this. Well, we were in the podium with LeBron 
for his interview last night, and I thought he made a great point. And it's a it's a point I made when when Cleveland beat the Raptors in Game One of the East yeah. Semis, and I made the point of like you know the whole from the wire, right? You come at the king, you best not miss. Like you got that one shot, you better yeah. not miss it. Um, obviously, LeBron's the king, but in this situation, yeah. the Warriors are the better team. Yeah. The Warriors are kind of the hunted, and like it, they're on top. They have the throne, and if you come, if you've got a shot at them in Game One to make this a series, yeah. and you miss that shot, you're done basically. Yeah. And LeBron obviously didn't come out and say that last night at the podium, but you heard it too. Like he was talking about the fact that it's similar to like the Patriots in the NFL or the Spurs at their apex, where you know they're not going to beat themselves. And LeBron said that. You know, I know they're not going to beat themselves so it's this constant like if we make a mistake they're going to capitalize and if they make a mistake we have to be perfect yeah to to hang with them and if we're not if we're not perfect or we don't take the one chance they give us you know we got no shot like yeah the Patriots example is actually interesting because like like the Patriots like not to get into all, like all football but like in other sports it's like in football like the Patriots lose those Super Bowls because like fluky things can happen in a one-off in, in a one-off like that whereas in basketball it's like a best of seven and it's like it really only is dependent in the finals on like your top three or top five players right? yeah and the fact that they have kd and the fact that they've built this team like there's like literally no like margin for yeah them, for like the other team yeah like you're not gonna beat them four times yeah again i say that with the rockets having come so close yeah. right yeah, no, it's, uh, and again, LeBron said the exact same thing last night, right? The margin for error with this with this team is slim to none. Now, the one interesting thing is, you know, the Cavs decreased, I guess, their margin for error when they traded Kyrie Irving. Yeah. And the report came out, I believe it was this morning, I believe Jason Lloyd of the Athletics, the one that reported it, said that an unnamed Cav last night um, in the locker room said that the Cavs would be up 3 nothing. They had Kyrie Irving. I was in the Warriors locker room, so I uh, I can't attest to that. I don't know if you, you were, were trying or not. to be. In yeah, the I was trying to be in the, the Warriors locker room. It was uh, a disaster in there. First of all, who do you think is the unnamed? Should we speculate? <laughs> I'm gonna, you know, I'll take a guess that it's. I, I honestly, God, would not be shocked if it's LeBron himself. <laughs> like, yeah, I was thinking maybe Kevin Love. Yeah, yeah. Jr. Jr. could be just run down the whole roster. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I mean, the the question then to you, Alex, is: Do you agree with that statement? I don't know. Okay, that, three nothing. Okay, extreme. three nothing's a stretch. But like, I definitely have thought during this series that like, what if they had Kyrie, right? Yeah. Because I mean, I think we're gonna talk about this too. Is that you know, ever since LeBron got that eye injury in yeah. game one, he's not been shooting a lot from outside the restricted area and yeah. when he has like it's just, he just hasn't been the same shooter yeah right? um, he hasn't taken one mid-range attempt since game one by right. the way and the mid-range game has been like a huge part of his like yeah. postseason arsenal like this year um oh yeah i definitely think with Kyrie. i don't know if it's like an even series but like the Cavs have a realistic chance like you look at the way they've been trying to find just any production out of yeah. their flawed like wing guys and like they finally got something from Rodney Hood yesterday, yeah. right? Like, it's like, if you get to the finals and you're asking the question of, like, can Rodney Hood be the guy that helps us? Like, that says a lot about your roster. Like, you look at the last three finals, like, yeah. whenever the Cavs have had the big wins, it's been LeBron and Kyrie doing it together. Like, they need so badly, like, a second creator on offense. Yeah. And Kyrie arguably is, like, the best one in the league. Yeah. Yeah, I think... 
you know, I was like I was never anti Kyrie, but I also don't think I was ever as high on him as his yeah. biggest supporters. And I think this Cavs season, not even what he did in Boston, yeah. but this Cavs season more than anything else, kind of made me more of a Kyrie like believer. Seeing what they missed. Exactly. Right? And seeing yeah, seeing what they missed, seeing what he brought yeah. uh, when it's no longer here, the whole like you don't know what you got till it's gone <laughs> yeah. or the Cavs now know, man, because yeah. Yeah, they're desperate for just anyone else to take some of the burden off LeBron. And, and like you mentioned, the, you know, the eye, LeBron says he's good, but he also says he's good after, like, his ankle nearly fell off last night. Yeah, so who really like, laced, knows? He he's, just, like, laced his yeah, sneakers a little tighter. and just Twisted his on. ankle back the other way, and he was good to go. But, no, the eye thing, I think, is interesting, man, because, it, A, it looks disgusting. Um, <laughs> and it's it's his eye. Like, if yeah. an eye looks that disgusting, chances are, like, there's you, – yeah. you, you, you probably fine, but, like, your vision has to be – impacted in some way I feel like if your eye looks like that right um, the bigger question is if that happened to your eye would you be wearing shades indoors at all times probably man probably <laughs> aesthetically man. I aesthetically I don't want people to see that like LeBron said himself that like he doesn't like looking at it it's like a little weird he said his daughter was creeped up yeah. like on FaceTime when he yeah. did it right um, yeah I mean that's the thing we were talking about yesterday too is like we like hype up the NBA Finals, like all these narratives and stuff, and legit like random things just happens. Like Draymond LeBron, palms your face. Yeah, Draymond palms your face, and like you have, LeBron has a legendary like game one, and like we we're only speculating how it's affecting them. Yeah. But like now the rest of the finals, like he's yeah. just not the same. Yeah. And that's it. Like you work yourself all season to get to this point, and you might be playing with like blurred vision. Yeah. For like most of the finals yeah and again obviously this is all just our speculation sure. and like based on the way it looks and whatever but also just based on the way he's playing not that lebron hasn't been great yeah. in games two and three but it's been a different lebron yeah. the guy hasn't attempted a shot from the mid-range yeah um his threes don't look as good like he yeah. doesn't look as sure of himself on the catch he's still obviously creating with his passing and yeah. getting to the lane like getting into the lane right. and getting to the hoop and that's where he's scoring most yeah. of his points but it's a different lebron yeah, let's, let's be clear. He's still like a walking triple double. Yes. Yeah, because it's LeBron. <laughs> yeah. But he does not look the same. And I, no. I think it is fair to ask whether uh, whether the eye's bothering him. It does make me... The other question I have, I guess, for you is like, I've been thinking a lot about, obviously, people are going to start speculating about what he's going to do next. Do you think he's better off going to like a team with other superstars, like a James Harden and Chris Paul? Or do you think this LeBron... Like, you should just build a team around him of, like, just competent two-way players. Just role players. Just, like, really good role players around him. Like, he legitimately, I don't think, needs yeah. another superstar. I mean, you assume at some point he's not going to play at this level. Like, it's kind of weird that, like, he's, yeah. he's heading into, like, what? He's almost going to be, like, 35? And he's 33 now, yeah. Yeah, so. and he's almost going to be 35, and, it's not, and it feels like he's still peaking. I know. But, like, if this is the version of LeBron for, like, the next two or three years, I almost feel like you just need to put competent two-way guys around him. Yeah, no, like, I, I agree with it because I think he's good enough that if you just surrounded him with, and we've seen it before, like, the LeBron plus shooters lineup, yes. like, murder. Yeah. Uh, if you just build a team around LeBron that is surrounding him with shooters yeah. and, like, switchable defenders, yeah. Um, I definitely think they're a contender because LeBron makes them a contender yeah. and it's the perfect supporting cast. But I still think, I think just at this point of his career, I think with the burden he's had to carry yeah. with this Cavs team, I think if anything, it'll make him go the other way and realize that he still does need 
you know, maybe he doesn't need three yeah. superstars the way KD and Curry have. Um, but I think he needs at least one other star, similar to the way he had Kyrie. And, and I feel like we're kind of selling Kevin Love short because Kevin Love is a star, but he's a different kind of star. Mm-hmm. He's not, you know, he's a big man. He's not going to put the ball on the floor and, like, yeah. create for others. He can create for others, like, operating out of the elbows, but not as, yeah. like, a point forward kind of thing, yeah. right? Like, LeBron, I think, needs, um, if, if he really, really wants to get back in the mix to, like, beat the Warriors or whoever is going to yeah. be the favorite next year, I think he needs to be with a, like, ball-dominant star. Yeah, so they need to get Kyrie back. <laughs> or, <laughs> hey, you, me- you mentioned Houston, man. There's a couple of them there that are ball-dominant that I think LeBron could fit with. Also, the Warriors might not be favorites next year after Kevin Durant makes a surprise move to the Toronto Raptors wow. this offseason. Alex Wong, just with these hot takes <laughs> that he thinks are... That's pure speculation, by the way. Please, no one say that like it was said on the Pound the Rock podcast that... I'm uh, ruining the reputation. But listen, we, we talked about this last night, not the Toronto angle. Um, but we did talk about the fact that... Like he's won the championship. Is what you said. Yeah, right? he's gonna like this is gonna be two years in a row if everything plays out the way it should. He's gonna win Finals MVP again, so he's gonna have two championships and two Finals MVPs yeah. in his two years with the Warriors, which is what he wanted, right? Because mm-hmm. uh, he had accomplished everything individually in Oklahoma City. Yeah. Um, I think like I think it actually makes a lot of sense for Kevin Durant to opt out this summer mm-hmm. and then just be like, you know what? Mm-hmm. I loved my time in Golden State. It gave me exactly what I wanted. I won two titles. I validated myself as like a playoff, like a finals type performer, yeah. which is the only thing I had left in my career to really do. Yeah. I'm a champion now. Uh, I won regular season MVP, finals MVP a couple times. Like what? Just go and be the alpha again somewhere. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying go to like a 17 win team and try to yeah. build them up. Still go to a contender, but like a 59 win team, number <laughs> one seed in the East. You mean? I just I do think it makes more sense. Um, but then I guess the other angle is like you hear these guys talk about like how fun it's been. Yeah. Like how they like they always drop like Sean Livingston. I think was talking about it today too after practice or before practice. Like. They've been to four straight finals and they just want to keep it going. They just want to keep it going. Clay's talked about that. Yeah. Talked about, like, there's been reports that he's willing to, like, take a discount or yeah. an extension to try to make the whole thing work. It's kind of like a millennial thing, man. It's like you found <laughs> Wow. No, but it's. We're going to hate on millennials. Yeah, hot take. Pretty um, sure I am a millennial, yeah, but. Me too, probably. Um, but it's like they found a way to do this easily. Like, yeah. be really successful at your job very easily. <laughs> yeah. Like, it sounds ideal. No, like it's so ideal, right? But who knows? Like Kevin Durant's like said things here and there, right? Like before the start of the finals, he was like, a lot of you probably didn't watch me play basketball before I got here. He feels really underappreciated, which is like really weird to me because like you list off his resume like just now, right? Like what more does this guy need to do? And like the two, the two Toronto thing is is a hot take, but like the larger point is like, he should go somewhere else. Yeah. Like, he's still got how many years of basketball that's left in him? That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. he should go somewhere where he can be, like, more of an alpha again yeah. and still be in the title mix or, like, yeah. the playoff mix every year, wherever that is. But I do... I got, it's a different appreciation level if yeah, he does that. I agree. I agree. Like, and I think it makes sense to do it after do the think, way these couple yeah. years have gone. Not not to ask you about his state of mind, but... <laughs> okay. Do <you> think, yeah. <laughs> not gonna... Do you think... Do you think it bothers him? Like, uh, do you think it bothers him that, like, people are still talking about this? Like, oh, Kevin Durant going to the Warriors, like, really I think basketball. for sure it does. I think for sure yeah. it does. I think especially, like, look at right now. The guy has had 
an incredible finals again. He's like we just said, he's gonna win a second straight finals. Maybe a, yeah, second and, straight finals. And, and like yeah, we're appreciating it, but we're still having these conversations about like him breaking the NBA and going to a 73 yeah. win team. And yeah. I think, I think that does have to bother him on a human level. And plus, we know that. You know, you've made the jokes about Kevin Durant being fake deep, and like yeah. I rip him on Twitter all the time. I'm sure yeah. everyone he's does. He's in his head for, a lot. He's in his own all, head. All I'm he definitely cares about what people think more yeah. than a lot of other superstars. Um, so I think it definitely has to bother yeah. him. What about what about the fact? Like when he wins the second championship, right? Do you value those championships? Because a lot of people are like, those rings don't have as much value. No, listen, I still value them because, and this is kind of what I wrote about last night, which is like, everyone ripped on the decision to like go there and join the 73-win Warriors because it would break the NBA and now wouldn't be competitive. But like, no one's paying attention to the fact that Kevin Durant is the reason they're now going to win two titles in a row. Like, if you take Kevin Durant off that team. And just look at the way the last couple finals have played out. You can make the argument LeBron would have stolen two more from the Warriors. I think the Cavs would have won last year. There you go. And they, if you take KD off this team right now, like just out of this series, like you don't think the Cavs have a They probably are up. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think that like, like he should get the credit. Yeah. For I being still, the difference of putting them over the top exactly, against the Cavs. Exactly. So I, basically, the long yeah. way of answering your yeah. question of do I value, yeah, I, I still value those championships. And I think, I also think it's like kind of dangerous to get into the argument of like whether we value one guy's championship because his teams are stacked. Because I mean, you can like take it all the way back to Bill Russell winning eight, or whenever it was, and yeah. there was like eight teams in the league. So, you know, you can make the argument, for example, LeBron making the finals every year in a 15-team conference yeah. is way more impressive than whoever was part of those Celtics team that yeah. won a championship in an 18 league. So I'm just saying, if we really want to get into like the semantics yeah. of how we value championships and things like that, it can get dicey. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I definitely still value Durant's championships the same way I value others. Yeah, it just still bothers me that he was added to a seventh. Yeah, as it should. Um, the, the last note on the finals before we touch on a couple other topics, and it goes to what you were saying about like, is it even fun anymore? And it still bothers you. I noticed it, I don't know if you noticed it, but the crowd here mm-hmm. at the queue, like look, the last couple years I was here, mm-hmm. this crowd was nuts. Like one of one of the loudest crowds I've ever heard. I always call it a wrestling crowd. It's, like it feels it's like very a much crowd. a wrestling yeah. crowd. Yeah. Take that for what you will, <laughs> listeners. But um, yeah, it, like the crowds have been great. Two years ago, they yeah. came back here down to nothing, and I thought the crowd was fantastic. Yeah. You know, um, last year they were down three nothing. Game four, I thought last year's game four crowd was. They had a party. You would have never thought that that team was like just kind of playing out the stretch, yeah. right? Like, out of context, that was like one of the most entertaining games I've ever been. Yeah, to. and the crowd was great, even down yeah. three nothing. But last night for game three this year, I don't know, it just felt different. They were good in that first quarter when the yeah. Cavs were up. 16-4, but I felt like once Durant kind of led that Warriors run and it was a one-point game after the first the quarter, just the crowd sounded the level dead. Just yeah, it was like they knew yeah. that by only being up one after that, what yeah. seemed like a dominant first quarter, it's like, oh, we've got no chance. Yeah. And and I think that speaks to your point of is it even fun anymore when like the Cavs crowd yeah. with LeBron on their side, yeah. who have witnessed a comeback from 3-1 down, when they... They have know. seemingly got yeah. to a point where it's like, ah, oh, man, this yeah. is done at only 2 nothing. Yeah. Then I think, you know, you, you've you got some validity to your point of is it even fun anymore. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, next year, like, saying, assume if LeBron comes back and it's Cavs, Warriors somehow again. Like, there's nothing's going to change unless yeah. there's, like, a significant change to the roster. Yeah. So... 
All right, well, something that is fun, at least to talk about, not fun for the Colangelo family, but uh, Brian Colangelo. Yeah, show uh, us the Mr. Big Collar. Man. man. <laughs> the collar tightened on him the last yeah, few weeks. Yeah, those collars, a little tighter <laughs> around the neck last couple of weeks, thanks to uh, Miss Bottini. Yeah, so story, as I'm sure our listeners have heard, is Brian Colangelo and the Sixers mutually agreed to part ways, which I still don't believe. I think that was wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yeah. You know, Jerry, we really value Jerry at this organization, and uh, we don't want to make a mockery of his son, so let's part ways cleanly is probably what happened. Uh, but yeah, just the craziness of it all, He puts out, Brian puts out a statement uh, where... I think it's a little rough to say that he threw his wife under the bus because I don't necessarily think he did that. But he also, you know, talks about her being seriously misguided and trying to defend him and, and all these other things. I've talked about it on the podcast earlier this week. I haven't got your thoughts on it. Uh, what is your take on this whole Brian Colangelo fiasco and, and, you know, the fact that it was his wife who was operating these burner accounts, but it got him fired anyway? Are we sure that that was what the result I, of the investigation no, I believe it was, yeah. Was I believe today they, they announced that okay. the investigation did reveal that it was his yeah. wife. I've, like, lost track of it because, like, there was, like, what, a number of accounts. Yeah, a lot of twists and turns. And then people thought it was Jerry at some point or Brian. Um, yo, it's crazy. But that's like the NBA. The NBA has one of these stories like once every like two months. Yeah. I just think it's crazy to me that someone in like that position of power, cause like no matter whose account it was, like Brian for sure leaked or spoke about a lot of confidential information yeah. to his wife, which I guess is another conversation too. Cause like if it's your wife, you might be sharing details about work yeah, you trust is not gonna get a leak, right? But but if it gets out, that's on you. Yes, no, for sure, for sure. I'm with you on that for sure. Like, Brian is like culpable in this. Yeah. Like just because like the investigation concluded that it was his wife, like that's his fault. And also, you're the general manager of the team. Your yeah. wife is not involved in that. Yeah. And like they're arguably going into like one of the most important off seasons in the franchise's history. They built this team up mostly thanks to Sam Hinkie. Um <laughs> And now they're gonna try to recruit guys, right? Whether it's, I don't know, Paul George, Kawhi, LeBron. LeBron. And how are you gonna have that hovering over you? Like a general manager. So like the minute that stuff came out, like I knew like, yeah, yeah. he had to go. Yeah, even like the last couple of days, there was the reports that, you know, they had, the Sixers were pretty sure Brian had nothing to do with it. And some people thought that like they took that as maybe he's going to stay on board. It's come on, man. There was no chance he was staying on board. Like the damage was already done. I think the level of trust was already broken. And then just from a, like from the optics standpoint, yeah. when you're trying to lure free agents and stuff, yeah. um, or even just dealing with other general managers, dealing with agents with from your own players, when there's injuries, whatever the case is, like the... You know, you need to be trusted as an executive in this league or in any business. And once that level of trust is broken, whether it was your own fault or it was indirectly your fault, you know, like yeah. because of other circumstances, like it was in this case, you're still going to wear that. And mm -hmm. and there's no way you can keep your job. No, this is, this is still not as worse as drafting Andrea Bagnani first overall. Wow. Man, I take number three. <laughs> Wow, that that is, you know what, I don't even know how spicy of a take that is because the Bargnani draft obviously was a disaster. But I'm, I'm going to say this is worse. Yeah. And I'm going to say that because um, the Bargnani draft wasn't that great, first of all. Aldridge? Listen, it was, listen, I, yeah. I'm definitely, he should have drafted, like, yeah. Marcus Aldridge. Heck, even Rudy Gay at the time. Like, 
There yeah. was definitely better options yeah. than Andrea Bargnani, but I don't think it was... There was it, no like clear-cut. Exactly. There yeah. was no clear-cut number one, and when he drafted him, it didn't seem that big. It, mm -hmm. I think... I don't think he was the only GM that would have drafted him number one overall. You know what I mean? I don't yeah. think it was like an Anthony Bennett situation when it was like, whoa, where Bionic's did this come? IQ was supposed to be off the charts. Yeah, it was like that, that caliper stuff, right? test where like yeah. he tested off the charts. Yeah. So as bad as that draft pick ended up becoming yeah. and as bad as Colangelo was for staying tied to Bargnani for all the years that he was, yeah. I still think this is worse just because it's the, like the recklessness of it, the mm -hmm. callousness of it. For a guy who's been around the block as long as Brian Colangelo has, yeah. whose family is like basically basketball royalty, yeah. um, he just he knows better, and he ruined his career. Let's you know say it like it is. Like he's not who's hiring him as an executive in the NBA. I, maybe he gets a job in like the league office or something yeah. through Jerry's connections. But and the other thing too is like that's what he's going to be remembered for. Yeah. Like when his name comes up now, like you're not gonna remember all the other things, like his involvement with like the Phoenix Suns and like getting Steve Nash yep. and all those things. Like two this time, will, two time executive of the year. This will forever be the thing yep. that is linked to him. And like the other thing, I guess one last thing is about this is just, I mean, it does make you wonder, like how valuable was Brian Colangelo or how valuable is a general manager? You know what I mean? It's like when something like this happens. How, how good of a general manager do you have to be for like ownership and the team to really yeah. fight for you? And I feel like Colangelo's not a guy oh, I agree with that, that they would go to bat for. Like if this happened in another organization, like with Masai in yeah. Toronto or something like that. Danny Ainge maybe. But also, those guys would not find themselves in this position but is the point. Exactly, Yeah. exactly, right? Like yeah. Masai Ujiri, Danny Ainge, insert whatever other name, you know, that you think is of that caliber, RC Buford, if you want, like. This would never happen. Exactly. Yeah. It just wouldn't happen. So he, Brian Colangelo made his bed and she's now got to <laughs> sleep in it and that, figuratively and literally because it happens to be his wife. All right, uh, a couple more things, just we'll quickly touch on them. Yeah. Um, Pelicans extended Alvin Gentry today. Uh, yeah. Any thoughts on that? Deserved, not deserved, yeah, I guess surprising? He got them to the second round, yeah. like after they lost Boogie. Yeah. So. I mean, I'm happy. I'm happy for for Gentry just because like he's had it pretty tough ever since he went to New Orleans. Yeah. So we'll yeah. see what they do with Boogie in the offseason. Yeah, yeah, definitely gonna be a fascinating uh, scenario for them this summer. And I think I've said this before too. Like I think they were better without Boogie. They played, um, I think, more to their strengths yeah. as a overall roster without they Boogie. They don't reach that ceiling that they hit exactly with, with Boogie, Boogie in the lineup. But I also feel like with how poorly they've been run over the last few years like they've got a history of mismanagement and just poor asset management there yeah. so even though i think it's not the worst thing in the world if they don't resign boogie i also think that a small market franchise that doesn't attract free agents and that runs itself poorly anyway yeah. with no cap space and no other avenues to get better i just think they can't afford to lose a player like boogie for nothing they did attract so, solomon hill and he more. true true enough but yeah, no, well, well deserved for Alvin Gentry. He's he's gone through a lot with the Pelicans. They're always injured. They're always like having to call up randos from the deal yeah. of the G League. They're always signing these like 
I mean, off the been, beaten path yeah. guys and they find a way about, to stay competitive. There's been questions about like Gentry's like like clock management yeah. and late games and like managing timeouts and things yep. like that. But like overall sometimes I think it's hard to criticize them when you look at the roster yeah. that he's had to work with, right? Yeah, like, I, yeah, I, I don't think he do. Exactly. Yeah. I don't think he's a perfect coach, but I also don't know what more you wanted from that roster. Yeah. So I think it was a well-deserved extension. Last thing, the Bulls. <laughs> Reportedly the only team who didn't go to, I, be, I believe it was a European camp. Let me just pull this up here. Um, it was one of those like NBA uh, camps that they do from time to time. And you said the fee was $10,000. Yeah, so here it is here. So it was right, it was the NBA Global Camp. Yeah. Um, and it you know, offers teams a chance to scout top European prospects. Seems like something that would be very valuable yeah. for an NBA general manager in 2018, given how important international talent is to the game. 29 teams were at said event. The one team that was not was the Chicago Bulls, and a report uh, came out today, according to Jonathan Gavoni, that said the reason the Bulls didn't go is because they wanted to save the $10,000 they had to pay to participate in. So one of the biggest market teams in the NBA, flush with cash, and they didn't go to what could be like an important yeah. scouting event, because they wanted to save 10 grand. What, they didn't get enough money in the Jordan Bell trade? Thank you. This is the same team that sold the draft pick that turned into Jordan Bell for $3.5 million. The Warriors, of course, bought that pick. But I, know, like, I know this is not important right now, but like, what was the reasoning? Like, they just wanted to get I'm, the 3.5 million? I'm pretty sure it was straight up cash. That was the reasoning. Like, they wanted that money. And there. they gave up a chance to pick a player in like the early second round yeah when they were rebuilding a team yeah look man the the jerry reinsdorf bulls are kind of a joke in the way they man. like this goes back to the jordan exactly. days man he is cheap yeah. he and also like he's empowered uh foreman and paxton for how long right i'm pretty sure they're both still there like yeah they yeah that organization is kind of a joke and it's a big market and it's a big yeah. market team yeah and you're lucky the knicks don't have their don't have their like stuff together stuff yeah together yeah exactly otherwise it'd be the bulls yeah no it's kind of a travesty to be honest like if you're a fan of that team or you're a season ticket holder or you're whatever you're attached to that team in any way and you see that like that's gonna make your blood boil yeah that this guy can't fork over ten thousand yeah. dollars for you know Again, so like a very important scouting trip. You, sure, maybe they don't find anyone. Maybe they get no intel from that trip that helps them at the draft. But maybe they do. Yeah. And you can't be pen, like pinching and pennies. All and 20, nine all other 29 teams are yes. there. Yeah. And I understand that $10,000 isn't pennies in the grand scheme of things, but in the NBA it is. When yeah. you're running an NBA franchise, $10,000 is very much pennies. It's a drop in the bucket. Yeah. And and to avoid an event like this because you want to save that money is just unbelievable. Yeah, we can scratch the Bulls off as a potential Kevin Durant destination. Yeah, also scratch Chicago off as a potential <laughs> finals destination for us next year. Um, all right, well, this was fun. A uh, little, little finals chat from the queue yeah. with Alex Wong. One last hot take. Warriors in four. Oh, yeah. spicy. <laughs> spicy. Well, you and I will both be trying to get in on that champagne celly. Uh, take some corks and, yeah. and bottles as That's souvenirs. Plan. That's the plan. All right. Well, this was fun. Yeah. Thanks for having Thank, me on, man. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. I mean, 
you kind of didn't have it. Like, what were you gonna do? Just we're going back to the media hotel together. Like, we're on this trip together for the score. Also, It'd be I, I, kind I, of awkward if you just let me record my own like soliloquy for half an hour and didn't come do this with me. Also, I am Pound the Rock exclusive now. So. Okay, I like to I like to hear that. Um, all right, thanks everyone for listening to this midweek. Mid-finals podcast from Cleveland, and I'm sure we'll get back with Will and Joe next week, probably discussing another Warriors championship at that point. Um, read my stuff, read Alex's stuff, follow us on Twitter, and we'll try to keep you uh, informed through these finals, or what's left of them, which is one game.